The following podcast is going to contain spoilers along with unfettered feelings of nostalgia. Proceed at your own risk. Here it is, folks. Crack the nut and kick some butt. It's time for Event or Else, the comic book show where I go through most every major Marvel and DC event, one issue at a time, one episode at a time, because if I don't, then the Martians win. Is that what you want? I'm your host. My name is Steven, and let's not play games, people. You know why we're here. I know why we're here. It's no secret. So how about we put a stop to all this pretense and get the show on the road. In this episode, we're looking at issue number six of Crisis on Infinite Earths, and it's entitled Three Earths, Three Deaths. This issue was published by DC Comics with a cover date of September of 1985, and it was written by Marv Wolfman with pencils by George Perez, inks by Dick Giordano, letters by John Costanza, and the colors were by Tony Tallon. Our issue opens in the antimatter universe, the home of the enemy, who we're going to go ahead and call the Anti-Monitor going forward, and who, for the moment, stands over the Flash, declaring that the Monitor is dead, and that his satellite and super-powered champions will soon die with him. Psycho Pirate is also there, reminding the Anti-Monitor of his promise to give him a world to play with as the Flash, on the floor, waits for the right moment to strike. But then, after he insults Psycho Pirate, the Anti-Monitor fulfills his promise. After all, while Earth 1 and 2 are still being protected by the Monitor's dying energies, they won't remain protected for long. That leaves three other Earths for the Anti-Monitor to conquer. And so he increases Psycho Pirate's power so that he can control the emotions of the populace of those three remaining Earths in order to stop the Monitor's champions from saving those worlds. Meanwhile, as the Monitor's satellite is breaking apart, Pariah disappears, taken away to witness another world falling to the antimatter wave. Alex Luther then hooks himself up to a machine to use both his positive and negative matter to try and draw Earth's 4, X, and S into the netherverse along with Earth's 1 and 2. Harbinger, however, has different plans and blasts Alex unconscious before diving deep into the satellite into her mechanical womb where her earthly body awaits. A moment later, the Monitor's satellite is destroyed forever. In the meantime, in the netherverse on Earth 2, Al Pratt, Earth 2's Adam, carries Ted Grant, also known as Wildcat, to bed. Wildcat's legs were shattered in the previous issue as he was saving lives, and now the big cat fella is feeling more than a little useless. Al provides Ted with some words of encouragement as a woman in bare feet creeps about on the ledge outside the window. She is Yolanda Montez, and I know absolutely nothing about her. Only what I'm being told here in these pages, that she's close to Ted Grant, that she's never told him about her special abilities, and that we might want to read Infinity Inc. for more details. Elsewhere, on Earth-1, as Lex Luthor flees from Superman following an encounter in Superman number 413, he is suddenly beamed aboard Brainiac's ship, where Brainiac offers to make the both of them rulers of the universe. 
Meanwhile, on Earth-X, the team of Steel, Northwind, Starfire, Dr. Light, and the Hawkman of Earth-2 arrive for their mission, given to them by Alex Luthor in the previous issue. They find themselves suddenly faced with not only the antimatter wall rolling their way, but a giant figure of Harbinger can be seen within the antimatter wall, and the population of the city are running directly toward it. But when our heroes attempt to intervene to try to save the people headed for certain death, they are stopped by this Earth's premier super team, the Freedom Fighters. Now, this is all part of the Anti-Monitor's plan. Psycho Pirates' powers are pushing the people to run headlong into the antimatter wall, and he has the Freedom Fighters believing that the newly arrived heroes are the villains responsible for said wall of death. Back in the antimatter universe, Psycho Pirate begs the Anti-Monitor to let him stop, crying out that the strain is too much. The Anti-Monitor, however, says, Nah, you wanted a world to play with? Well, now you got three. I am, of course, paraphrasing. From there, we go to Earth 4, where our next team of heroes arrive, somewhere in the Midwest. They are the Flash of Earth 2, Block from the Legion of Superheroes, Katana, John Jones the Martian Manhunter, and some dude with wings they never identify because not even the guy himself knows who he is. After doing a bit of research, however, I have discovered that this is Osriel from the Teen Titans books. As they arrive, like the heroes on Earth-X, they see the antimatter wave rolling across the Earth and a giant image of Harbinger within. Also in the sky above them is the bug-shaped ship of the Blue Beetle. As Azrael flies closer to the bug, he is stunned, blasted to the ground by Captain Adam. On the ground, Peacemaker and Nightshade enter the story as Katana throws down with Judo Master. Inside the bug, the Blue Beetle and the Question begin to realize that they are being controlled somehow, their will bent into suicide, just like the people on Earth-X. Meanwhile, back on the rapidly merging Earths 1 and 2, Aquaman, Aqualad, Aquagirl, and Lori Lamaris try to locate their underwater homes as Black Manta and Ocean Master watch from a place of concealment. Dolphin is there too, watching the two villains as they suddenly disappear. In the meantime, on Earth-S, Black Canary, Changeling, and Supergirl battle Captain Marvel and the Marvel family who have been manipulated, like those from Earth-X and Earth-4, into believing that these new arrivals are responsible for the antimatter wave and therefore must be dealt with. Nearby, Cole from the Teen Titans has erected a massive crystal barrier to stop the psycho-pirate-controlled people of Earth-S from throwing themselves into the antimatter wall. Wonder Woman is there as well, mixing it up with Mary Marvel. She's almost taken out of commission by Captain Marvel Jr. until Black Canary, using her sonic scream, incapacitates both of the Marvels. Then we get a quick look at what's still going on over on Earth-X and Earth-4 before we see what it is that Harbinger is up to. Using the powers given to her by the Monitor, the man she murdered under the influence of the Anti-Monitor, she pulls the Earth-X, Earth-4, and Earth-S universes through her, and they join Earths 1 and 2 in the Netherverse. With that complete, she is Harbinger no more, and as Lila, she finds herself on a rock with Alex Luthor floating in space.
The five remaining universes have been saved for now. The vibrations that separate them are slowing down, and soon the five universes will merge, and that event will destroy them. Meanwhile, on Earth 2, Power Girl, Green Lantern, and Johnny Quick chase down the villains, Star Sapphire, Deathbolt, and Perdegaton, only to watch them vanish in thin air, which only begs the question, why are all the villains suddenly disappearing? We won't get an answer in this issue, however, for as the issue ends, Lila reminds Alex that he has a destiny to fulfill, and back on Earth 2, Yolanda Montez takes to the rooftops as the new Wildcat. And with that, it's time for the top three things to dwell on. The top three things to dwell on are three moments or aspects of the book that I feel need to be given just a bit more thought. Funny or sad, epic or dumb, I'm still going to talk about them. Thing to dwell on number three, who is Yolanda Montez? Yolanda is a character that first appeared in Infinity Inc. number 12, which had a cover date of March 1985. And according to DCFandom.com, Yolanda Montez's mother, Maria, was experimented on by the insane Dr. Love. Dr. Love? Hold on a second. Seriously, Dr. Love? They call me They call me Dr. Love. Okay. All right. Whatever. Let me start again. Yolanda Montez's mother, Maria, was experimented on by the insane Dr. Love while she was pregnant. But unlike his other test subjects including Maria's sister, Love lost track of Maria and her family when they moved from Mexico to the U.S. to be with Maria's husband, the boxer, Mahler Montez. When Yolanda Montez was born, her godfather was another boxer, Ted Grant, who was also the superhero Wildcat. Yolanda eventually developed superpowers which gave her feline characteristics, and when Wildcat was injured during the events of the Crisis on Infinite Earths, Yolanda decided to succeed him as Wildcat, joining Infinity Inc. soon afterward. Yolanda later encountered the man-shark Chikaro, who proved to be her cousin, as well as Dr. Love's other test subjects, the mutated teenagers known as Helix. Wildcat 2 remained with Infinity Inc. until the team disbanded and was later killed while battling Eclipso as a member of the Shadow Fighters. And now you know. That is, in case you wanted to know. Thing to dwell on number two, Wonder Woman does stuff! You've probably noticed that I've been making a big deal out of the fact that Wonder Woman has been almost completely absent from this event, going back to issue number one. And frankly, we haven't seen much of Batman or Superman either. I just find it odd, considering that in the DC Comics of today, the three heroes are considered the holy freaking trinity of DC, and they're typically front and center when it comes to major storylines that affect the entire DC universe. But Wonder Woman has had even less to do in this event so far than the others have. That is until this issue, issue number six, where we see her fight Mary Marvel and have her in the book for a total of six panels. You know, come to think of it, Superman and Batman weren't in this issue at all. Go Wonder Woman! Thing to dwell on number one, celebrate George Perez. George Perez, who just three years ago announced his retirement from comics, posted over on his Facebook this past December 
that he has stage three pancreatic cancer, and the doctors have given him six months to a year to live. Quote, I am already arranging with my art agent to refund the money paid for sketches that I can no longer finish. And since despite only having one working eye, I can still sign my name, I hope to coordinate one last mass book signing to help make my passing a bit easier. I also hope that I will be able to make one last public appearance wherein I can be photographed with as many of my fans as possible with the proviso that I get to hug each and every one of them. I just want to be able to say goodbye with smiles as well as tears, end quote. This is, of course, devastatingly sad news, and I invite you all to seek out George Perez's work. From the Avengers at Marvel to Wonder Woman and the new Teen Titans at DC, then back to Marvel for the Infinity Gauntlet and even more Avengers, he was extremely prolific and detailed. The man was, as I've said before, a machine. Now, I'm sure I've told this story already on the show, but when I think of George Perez, I immediately think of Crisis on Infinite Earths. If only because over a decade ago, I picked up a trade paperback collection of the series at a local comic book store, and my son, who was just a toddler in those days, found me reading the book and wanted to have a look for himself. He couldn't read yet by this point, but the boy was just entranced by the visuals that George Perez had put down on the page. In fact, I ended up just giving him the book and he would just sit and pour over it page by page, marveling at the massive amount of colorful heroes and villains that were to be found within. Thank you, George Perez, for what you have brought into this world. We will forever be in your debt. And with that, I really have nothing left to say except join me right back here next time for issue number seven of Crisis on Infinite Earths, Beyond the Silent Night. Until then, try to be nice to each other. Event or Else is a presentation of the Just Another Fanboy podcast. Questions and comments can be directed to eventorelse at gmail.com. You can support the show for as little as a dollar a month over at the Patreon by going to patreon.com slash and get instant access to the My Other Podcast podcast, a weekly show where I talk about all the nerdy type things I don't have time to talk about in all my other podcast episodes. I also encourage you to rate the show wherever available and share the podcast with a friend. All links will be in the show notes. There's a snort. <laughs> uh, that may go at the end of the sentence. It better.